Well, good morning, friends. Um, it's good to be worshiping with you this morning uh, here at Jericho Center, as well as online. Um, my name's Brady, and I'm part of our staff team here at Jericho Ridge. Um, usually, I'm a little tucked away at the back there, though, hidden with our tech teams. Um, but this morning, I have the privilege of being up here on the other side of the camera, uh, leading our teaching time. And so, like Pastor Brad said, we're going to continue on in our This We Believe series. Um, We've been going through our Mennonite Brethren Confessions of Faith together, uh, where we can kind of better understand as a faith community, uh, you know, what it, what it means uh, to have a core set of beliefs and what those core beliefs actually are. And hopefully, we're going to actually come away with some tools, not just all knowledge, but figure out how we can integrate that into our lives every day as believers. And so we're on week two. Uh, last week, Pastor Wally kicked us off in Article 1 of 18 articles. He was talking about the Trinity, um, or the triune God, this idea of having three interdependent and unique beings um, that are all part of the same God. And it's very complicated. He did a very good job of tackling it. Um, although, you know, big topic. So I know something I don't actually fully understand. The Trinity is a really complicated thing. And to be honest, I think the world's best theologians don't understand the Trinity fully either, nor will we be able to fully understand that crazy, yeah, that craziness that the Trinity is. Um, but really, last week kind of tackled this question of who is God? Uh, who is the Trinity? What are the three parts of God? And what does that make up? And I kind of like to continue to work on that. So asked a question, uh, how do we know who God is? And really kind of show our work about who this God is and how we can actually say God is God, right? Um, so this morning, hopefully, we're going to come away with some of those tools and the knowledge um, to engage actually others outside of our community. So we're not an internal group, but we go out into the world and engage in conversations with people who maybe don't know who Jesus is um, or are even struggling to see where God is at work. Um, and hopefully, it'll also give you some of the tools in your own spiritual journey of kind of identifying where Jesus is at work. And maybe even develop habits and routines about seeing God working around you and within you, kind of as a crucial piece to our relationship with Jesus. Okay, so I asked this massive question, how do we know who God is? We could spend an entire year answering that question, but we're going to do it in 20 minutes. Um, and I'm actually going to give you the answer right now. It's because God told us that he's God. That's the big answer. You're welcome. <laughs> or uh, he revealed himself to us. So that's what revelation of God is. Um, so in systematic theology, we call it the revelation of God. And probably that answer is going to cause a lot more questions um, than we started with. But the first question maybe is, we're not dealing with the book of Revelation. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about God revealing himself uh, to us and actively doing so for our own benefit. So let's kind of dive together into what revelation of God is and why it's important to us today. Um, but as we start our quick theology lesson in 20 minutes, I also invite you to ask questions because I'm not going to be able to tackle everything that you may be asking. So we have a great number up on the screen there that if you have any questions throughout our time together this morning, feel free to send that number of texts. Um, and we'll be happy to kind of tackle it uh, at one of our Q&A sessions. So next week, we're going to be looking at all the questions that we compiled throughout the last couple of weeks and tackle some of those questions of this, as a faith community. Right? So teaching is not the passive thing. Uh, we want you to actively participate as a group together and kind of wrestle through that together. 
Also, if you have a question, it's like all my teachers said, somebody else in the room is going to have the question. So please don't hesitate to ask. OK. So looking at our Mennonite Brethren Confession of Faith, we're looking at Article 2. Uh, it tackles revelation of God, and it actually separates it into two categories or two buckets. We've got general revelation and then special revelation. Uh, and it's actually derived from Scripture. So it's from Psalm 19, written by David. So if you have a Bible or a mobile device, open that up. There's a Bible in the Jericho Ridge app as well. Uh, we're going to dig into Psalm 19 together, and I'm going to read the first half of the psalm. So I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, starting in verse 1. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth, and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun, and it bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding, and it rejoices like a great athlete eager to run his race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. And so we see in the first half of this psalm, David's highlighting what general revelation is, um, or what our confessions of faith would call it as God's self-revelation. It's speaking of how God's incredible creation is drawing attention to the fact that something magnificent cannot exist without a divine creator to make it. Similar to how if we see a table, a carpenter must have made that wooden table. We see a creation, and we know there must be a creator linked to that. And in verse 3, it kind of complicates things. It says God's voice is not actually ever heard. But there are several different other ways that we can identify God is actively revealing himself uh, in creation. The first of which is actually just through nature. So on my way home uh, today, on the drive, I'm going to be uh, greeted with the massive mountains on the way home. And I'll be in awe, like I usually am, of how impossibly difficult it would be for you or I to actually make those mountains. I don't think it's really a doable thing for us humans to do it. And it reminds me of the strength and the beauty that God put into his works here on earth. Another example could be whenever I wake up, when I woke up this morning, I'm reminded of God's faithfulness of the sun rising each and every single morning and his continued presence in that. In his commentary, theologian Max Anders also highlights other ways we can experience God's self-revelation. The first being you and I, humans themselves. It's clear in the book of Genesis that we're made in the image of God. So when we kind of go about our days throughout our weeks, we should be interacting with others as if they are the image of God and reminding ourselves that we are the image of God as well. When we interact with each other in that way, we're actually giving credit to God and recognizing God's work. Another way is through history. For all you historians out there, you could look for God by looking at the grand history of the earth and see that there's this master plan that's going through. Or you could even kind of narrow it down to a smaller scale and look at Israel in the Old Testament. God's presence is, is there throughout the entire history of Israel in the scriptures, particularly when you compare the case of Israel to other ancient nations at the time. So all of these things, whether it's nature, people, history, 
They're evident to all people. Any of us could recognize any of those things if we're paying attention enough. Uh, we don't actually need the voice that's talking about in verse 3 in the text to see God's presence. However, those three things in general revelation as a whole is not actually enough for us to truly know everything about who God is. I couldn't just go outside, look at the mountains, and be like, ah, yes, God, Jesus, the, Fa the Father, the Holy Spirit are all present in those mountains. That's a very big leap for me to make. Instead, we actually need uh, God's direct revelation. He's this infinite being that actually gave us a very finite way to understand who he is in the text. And that's what direct revelation is. And David explains it in the back half of Psalm 19. So I'm going to pick up again in verse 7. It says that the instructions of the Lord are perfect and reviving of the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. And the commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true, and each and every one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. And they are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. David here is highlighting the power of the inspired word of God, or what we commonly refer to as the Bible. In the psalm, David's actually specifically talking about the Torah, um, which you and I more commonly know as the first five books of the Bible. So that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. David's not actually saying that just those five books are the, are the only inspired word of God, but it's actually the only thing that he had to work with at the time. Jesus hadn't come to earth yet. He had no idea what was going to be happening in the future. So he hadn't had any chance to work with the Gospels or the New Testament. But we can later on see at the very beginning of the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews 1.1, that he said that long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets, Old Testament, and now in these final days he has spoken to us through the Son. So we now know that Jesus was actually also part of the inspired word, that direct revelation, whether it's through his life or his actual words that are recorded throughout the Gospels. And then if we fast forward all the way to today, we can see that the Holy Spirit is actively working inside of those who invite him in. Jesus told us in the Gospel of John in uh, chapter 14 that God will give us another advocate who will never leave us. He is the Holy Spirit who leads all truth, and he lives with you now and later will be in you. So we really actually see like a progression that's occurring here. We started all the way with God the Father at the very beginning. We then progressed to the life of Jesus. And now we have the Holy Spirit, which makes up the Trinity that we're talking about last week. And we're actually only able to know of these three beings through the direct revelation in the scriptures. And according to our confession of faith, the written word of God or the Bible is the predominant way that special revelation is expressed to us. And this was done through the Father's Holy Spirit working throughout the writings of the scripture, as well as Jesus' own words being recorded. And it's actually only through the guidance and the clarity that the Holy Spirit that we have within us, that it provides to us that, that, that we're able to make sense of the Bible. Without the Holy Spirit working, the Bible is actually a very complicated book. I don't know if you've noticed. Holy Spirit is able to clear, clarify that a little bit. 
Don't hear what I'm not saying, though. The Holy Spirit is not going to give you this perfect commentary in your mind that's going to explain absolutely everything of what the Bible's saying. Holy Spirit's not going to be able to fully explain the textual, textual and like literary intricacies that the Bible is made up of. And that's where us as a faith community or as a church community or in academic circles are able to fill that, those texts, are able to help us solidify our understanding of the Bible. So now that we know that the written word of God, or the Bible, is the primary and best way we're able to get to know who God is and also recognize where he's present, I kind of want us to flip this conversation on its head a little bit um, and ask the question of, what are the limits of what we would be able to know about God without the Bible? So if this completely disappeared, what are we left with? We're left with mountains and we're left with sunrise. But like we said, general revelation isn't necessarily enough. So I have a bit of a story. Have you guys ever heard of Dark Table? It's a restaurant downtown Vancouver. Uh, it's actually quite a cool concept. Um, it's a perfectly normal restaurant. You can go with your friends, you can go with your family, you get a nice meal. There's one condition. It is in the complete pitch black. Can't see anything going on in there. And it's actually trying to simulate the experience of somebody that is completely blind eating out. And so we can experience that with them. I haven't actually been to this one in Vancouver, um, but I went to one similar when I was visiting family in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and at the time, I was about 10 years old. I'm not entirely sure who thought it was a good idea to bring 10-year-old Brady <laughs> to a restaurant where it's completely pitch black. Um, but hindsight's 2020, so we'll forgive them. But nonetheless, I was there. I was ready to go into this restaurant in the pitch black and eat a nice meal and whatever. And I remember all this anxiety of it all coming into it, being so nervous that I'm about to lose an entire sense of mine. I'm not going to be able to see anything. That's something we rely on in daily experiences. I don't know what you, but I'd find it very hard for me to get here if I could not see a thing. So eventually, we actually head inside to this restaurant, and there's kind of like a foyer or like an airlock that like transitions you from like the normal world with light to complete darkness, where you just are kind of fueling your way around. So we enter this airlock. The lights slowly fade to black. We're in absolute darkness, and then 10-year-old Brady absolutely loses it. I am crying. I'm screaming. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know who's in front of me. I can't even see my own hand in front of my face. It completely freaked me out. Don't know what's going on. And so surely enough, a, uh, a staff member heard my, my wails and my pleas and brought me back out into the normal world of light. And I was able to once again breathe slowly, uh, knowing I can see what's around me and have the security of sight. And so friends, those kind of feelings of anxiety, of fear, of disorientation, insecurity, would actually be what it would feel like every day without God revealing himself, himself through this text. Without the Spirit's work inspiring the writers of the Bible, we'd actually have no idea how great God is uh, within us and around us every single day. We'd have no idea how he's actually actively working inside of you. We'd have no idea how he sent his only son Jesus to earth and sacrificed him to pay for our own sin. Friends, revelation is God giving us the light that we so desperately need in our lives. He's pushing through the darkness, and he's giving us the light to find him and to enter into relationship with Jesus. Amen. He's always there showing up. 
He was there at the very beginning. We look at the book of Genesis again, giving Adam and Eve love and guidance at the Garden of Eden. And yet he, they turned away from him and fell into sin. Fast forward a little bit to, the, to Israel, that he gave them perfect and loving laws to follow. And yet Israel continuously over and over again rejected and turned away from him and fell into chaos. So God really kind of thought to himself, he saw all this failing happening, and he was like, okay, well, I'm going to really prove that I'm Lord here. And he sent his own son to earth. He sent Jesus, the perfect revelation, to prove that he's Lord. Yet Israel saw Jesus and was like, who does this guy think he is? Rejected him, they mocked him, and they eventually crucified him up on the cross. Yet our incredibly patient God is still showing up in our lives every single day. He's working through the Holy Spirit around us and within us. And Jesus actually told us in the book of Revelation that he stands at the door and he knocks. If you hear his voice and you open the door, he's going to come in and you're going to share a meal together as friends. Jesus is at that door, friends, still. He's still knocking. He wants to share a meal with you and he wants to be in relationship with you. But Jesus is a pretty cool guy. He's a gentleman. He's not barging your door down. He's not knocking it over. He's sitting there waiting. He's not inviting himself in. He's making that initial handout. He's saying knocking. He's, but we need to respond. We need to open that door. We need to invite him into our lives as our one God. And so ultimately, all we need to do is show up in relationship with him. And perhaps you're still you know, seeking spiritually and have not made that step and invited Jesus into your life yet. And maybe you'd like to do that. It can be a simple prayer of, God, I need you. I need your love, your grace, your presence into my life. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Yes, those words sound relatively simple, but I understand that it is a massive step and a very big commitment to make. And that's something that our pastoral team would actually love to walk uh, walk with you with. Pastor Wally and Pastor Brad are both here this morning, and they'd love to chat with you and to pray with you through that. Or if you'd like, you can also uh, email us, and we'd love to connect that way as well. Okay, maybe you've already made that prayer. Maybe you've already made that first step. I have some pretty big news. Your work's not actually over yet. Uh, it's kind of like... How they, what they say about marriages. I'm not married, have no idea what marriage is all about, but I've heard some sayings. <laughs> the first saying is, apparently it's not a one-time gig. Apparently there's more work after the wedding. You gotta learn to, you know, every single day, you gotta make an active choice to maintain and to grow that marriage. And our relationship with Jesus is actually quite similar. Every single day when we wake up throughout our days, we need to be making that life-changing choice to be in relationship with Jesus and to follow him even in the face of challenges that may feel unfair or insurmountable. One of the first steps of maintaining that relationship is recognizing God at work in you and the Holy Spirit working around and guiding you. I know sometimes I can struggle to identify where God is active in my own life and I feel like I'm back in that pitch black restaurant when I was 10 years old. I feel anxious, insecure, alone, disoriented, or even fearful sometimes. And it feels like abandonment from God. 
Like he's not been holding up his end of the relationship. He's not committed to this relationship. Yet in my head, logically, I do know he's still there. God hasn't taken the day off. He's still actively working. One area of my life that I shared uh, last time I was up here was what my future looks like. I'm a couple months away from graduating from Trinity with my bachelor's degree. And so it piques a lot of questions of what, what's next for me this coming fall. And so something I want to do is attend seminary. But there have been times where I'm struggling to discern if this is something that the Lord is leading me into, or is this something that I just think would be really fun and really cool to do, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it on my own way. It's difficult to discern, is this God's will or is this my will? Trying to find God when attempting these massive questions uh, is actually quite tiring. I find exhausted after a while of, like, what is going on? It's also quite discouraging of, like, I feel like I'm just going in circles, not really getting any ground, not really getting any clarity on that. So sometimes I'll just, you know, simplify things and try and identify God in the small things. I know I find it quite helpful for me sometimes. I'll go on a walk outside and appreciate, like, the fresh air, the trees, the mountains, the sunrise. Sometimes I won't even go for a walk. I'll just walk outside my backyard for 10 seconds. But it's still enough of a reminder for me to get that fresh air and realize that there is a creator. And it brings me to a place of thankfulness and it brings me to a place of praise. And ultimately, it reminds me that he's still working. Another way could be through prayer. Um, I've had times where I'll dedicate a day or a morning or even just like an hour just in prayer, creating a time to just sit with God and create space for the Holy Spirit to come in and remind me that he's guiding me and to surround me with his love. And that can just be a way of recognizing that God's at work and that he's present in your life. Another helpful tool is maybe just to talk some, to somebody, have a dialogue about where maybe God is at work. And spiritual directors are actually really helpful to guide you into that space. They can help you openly ask, God, where are you at work? And just hold that with openness. Another way that we can also connect with God um, is engagement with fellow believers as a community. And there are plenty of ways that we can do that. The first is a tad bit obvious, but it's church. Sunday morning church is a great way. So if you're here, good job. <laughs> uh, it's helpful to connect with God through that. We just did song worship. It could be through teaching. It could just be through community before or after church in that way. Another way that we connect um, and that Jericho loves to facilitate is through our groups. Uh, we have a variety of groups that we engage in. Uh, we have life journaling groups. We have book studies. We have prayer groups, accountability groups. And each of these groups serve a specific purpose. And I know it's been actually quite helpful for myself to have a dialogue with other people about where my own faith journey is at. But also sometimes I'll hear where God is actively working in somebody else's life. And even though I don't see him working, it's helpful for me to recognize that God is still present in those moments. Another thing that we do um, as a faith community to connect with God as a church body is through communion, where we honor and celebrate God's perfect revelation through the coming of Jesus Christ. So you're going to notice around you somewhere on chairs that there's communion, little communion cups. Um, inside there, uh, there's a little wafer and some juice so you can participate in that way. This isn't going to be guided. It's going to be wherever you feel like you'd like to participate in that way throughout our worship time. And Jared and the team are going to come up here in a little bit and lead us in a time of song worship. And so 
Whenever you feel ready, you can eat that wafer, which represents Christ's body. And you can drink the juice, which represents Christ's blood poured out for us to pay for our own sins. But before you engage in that way too, I'd also like you to take some time in reflection and in prayer. Just think about where God may be present in your own life right now. Pray that the Holy Spirit is going to stir that in you and reveal that to you. And even call on God yourself to reveal himself to you actively. And maybe you're actually feeling ready to open that door that Jesus is knocking on. To invite him into relationship with you, to sit at the table with you and share a meal with you. It could be your first time, uh, or maybe you just felt so disconnected lately that you'd like to re-invite him back to the table with you and ask Jesus to come back into your life. Either way, he is waiting for that invitation. He's still at the door. It doesn't matter about your past. Uh, Jesus wants to shoulder your shame, your embarrassment. He wants to shoulder your anxieties. He wants to shoulder your grief with you and sit with you in your grief. He wants to shoulder any of your pains, and he wants to shoulder your guilts. And maybe you'd like to, to pray to Jesus with somebody. Uh, I encourage you to head to the back during our worship time. Uh, Pastor Brad and James and Sylvia are all going to be back there, and they'd be honored to walk with you in your journey alongside you. Let's pray. Lord, just so thankful. Thankful for your presence. Just thankful that how you are actively working in each and every one of our lives. I just pray that you would reveal that to us in whatever way that you feel fit. And that we would be attuned to that. That we would be actively searching and actively looking for you, Lord. We praise you and we thank you for your son. We praise you and thank you that he is there knocking and waiting for us. Waiting for us to invite him into our lives. Yeah, Jesus, you paid the ultimate price. You were so patient with us. And even though we have rejected and mocked you, that you're still there waiting patiently. That you still love us and you care for us and that you want to guide us and support us and wherever we go throughout our weeks. Thank you, Jesus.